Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of Press YYZ. We're the only Canadian gaming podcast that you can catch live on Twitch every Wednesday at 8 p.m. EST, as well as on podcast services and YouTube every Thursday. My name is Alexander Kazina, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Nathan McInerney. Hey, what's going on? Sorry I missed last week. And not a problem, Nathan. And a very special guest. A special guest that I've been trying to get on this podcast for quite some time now. But unfortunately, fate and destiny and just all sorts of scheduling conflicts have been keeping us apart. But finally, at long last, he is here, Snorkelies. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Before we get right into the thick of things uh, i do want to ask snorkelies are you okay going by the handle snorkelies or would you prefer that we refer you by something else something simpler something shorter or is snorkelies the way to go you can say snorkelies uh that is snorkelies is the way i know i prefer people to pronounce it but i've heard snorkelies i've heard snorkelies mm. but snork is fine you can also call me Kurt. That's my first name. Got it. Kurt. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, before we get started, a reminder as always that we here at Press Wild stand against discrimination of any kind. While we appreciate however you choose to give back to our show, there's no better way to support us than by being excellent to each other. Uh, with that out of the way, we have quite the jam-packed uh, show ahead of us. Um, while I don't have a whole lot to talk about since last episode's recording, uh, on account of the date on which we're actually pre-recording this particular episode, I know you, Nathan, have quite a bit of exciting stuff to talk about. I know you, yep. Snorkelies, have quite a few exciting things that you want to talk about as well. But before we get into any of that, uh, Snorkelies, for those of you on the internet who would happen to not know who you are. Who exactly are you, my good friend? And what do they need to know about you? Uh, well, thank you for the intro. I am Snorkelies. I am a variety streamer on Twitch. I also have a number of hobbies that um, I guess I've been refining over the pandemic. It's been a, you know, a bit of a trip uh, picking which ones to like prioritize but um i've always been someone who loved aquariums um i've definitely gotten back into them over the past like five years or so i've been starting my own breeding projects um guppies priority um in addition to that i've also um quick career kind of arc which was uh went to college for game design uh that did not go great but i ended up going into game design about a year or so after I had graduated, um, and there I was for about five years. It was a small studio, um, and we worked on a game called um, Vendetta Online. It is a first-person space sim MMO. So you uh, play the role as a space-faring individual. You could be a pirate. You could be a manufacturer. You could be a trader. You could be a general asshole. (laughs) Uh, Anything you really wanted to be. Um, uh, this all kind of culminates into streaming in that, like, I've generated quite a bit of, uh, hobby skills, video editing, photo editing, branding design, um, a lot of just 2D and 3D stuff. Yeah, this is the game itself actually here. Um, the studio head, John, um, 
he uh, actually I designed those three logos on the left there. Oh, cool. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so a lot of this is all pre-made stuff that they had originally um, designed for the game, and I came in and added like new polish. So um, ship designs, uh, asteroids, planet textures, uh, some particle effects, and some other stuff like that. Um, uh, you can check my uh, portfolio out at C-U-R-T-R-E-I-N-E-R-T dot com. That's my personal portfolio, if we want to get into that at some point. It's just a bunch of pictures of uh, ships and stuff that I did. But you are, as far as I can recall, you're the first person on PressYZ that has specifically advertised their portfolio before their Twitter account or their Twitch account. And personally, I really respect it. I think that you're out there doing the good fight, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, sometimes it's opposite because I mean, you. I don't want to get into like the the rigmarole of like the professional introduction stuff, but like, I really do miss game design, and that's probably mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I bring this up first is that um, this was a wholly unique and very positive experience in the game design industry, and not saying that that's by any means a rare thing in game design, but um, we've obviously had some things in the news recently where things aren't so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very, very fortunate to work at a very small studio where I knew the boss intimately. He was a very good friend of mine, still is a very good friend of mine. S- same with the uh, other employees there. Um, yeah, this was a very fun job to have. Uh, the game is on mobile. It's literally on every... Oh, I don't know what it's not on, honestly. Um, is it on team, Switch? It probably is, but I don't know for sure. I was just looking at the website. It looks like it's mostly PC and phones. I don't think it's on consoles. That's... It's nine. It's like ninety five percent PC and uh, phones. Yes, I mean, um, but it t- is available on like um, I believe it's on Android TV. Um, yeah, uh, basically anything that runs Android, it can run on App Store, no, it's Android, Windows, OS X, and Linux. So okay. it doesn't now look to, like it's hit any consoles at this point. Right now, to be okay. fair, if this game was on a PlayStation console, it looks like it would be an incredibly grindy and loathsome platinum. So. I think I actually don't mind in this case that it's not on everything. It is grind. It is a full-fledged MMO, and it's the same game on every single platform. So it's literally just the same world. You're looking at it through a different window. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it actually runs really well in VR, too. That's the other thing. Hmm. Um, I tested it a couple times on uh, just even the the simple thing where you put your phone up to your face in a box yep, all yep, the way yep. up to right. um, like a full-fledged you know, $1,000 uh, headset from like... Uh, steam or facebook they, they, it looks and runs great i haven't worked on that in years though um i've kind of settled down my career a little bit to something a bit more i'll just say different uh i work in printing now which is a you know just a different field but um a couple of reasons why i left but i'd like to get back at some point other than that hobbies um you know <laughs> Kind of a pivot year back to what I was saying. Um, video ed- video editing and graphic design stuff I did as well. I redid my logo recently, and that's actually to my left. Um, Looks great. Here. I, yeah, I really like how it turned out. I don't mm-hmm. mean to get too gushy about it, but I really, <laughs> I really like it. I, I, I live for this kind of graphic design stuff. It's so. um, you know, nowadays it's very easy to find some pre-made assets online to hook up your Twitch stream with. And I always, you know, look upon other Twitch streamers with a degree of jealousy when I see how much better their graphic design game uh, is. But in your case, I mean, the fact that you actually designed all of your logos and graphics yourself, like, 
I would say that my jealousy transcends and goes into just straight up respect. Like it looks really good. And the fact that you put in that work is, I think, nothing to be trifled with. I appreciate that very much. Because like, like I said, I have been insanely jealous of some people who have been online and they've just like, oh, yeah, just yeah, free time, you know, designing things. And they just have like the aptitude for it. And I don't necessarily think I do. I just put a lot of time into it. So um, pre previous ones, I was like, that's cool. Now this one, it looks like it's kind of got that like um, like 90s, like fat line aesthetic kind of thing going. There's a smile, which is interesting because I didn't have that previously. So it looks like he's smirking. And then the goggles looks also like a game, like a Super Nintendo gamepad. Mm -hmm. I can yeah. go on. But anyway, and, um, great stuff. We're all familiar with the uh, kind of funny logo, of course. It, mm -hmm, this kind of mm -hmm. looks like, you know how like you have like, oh, it's aquatic Batman. It's snow speeder Batman. It's, you know, deep in the jungle Batman. This is like the aquatic underwater ambience version of the kind of funny logo. Aqu aquatic streaming in his free time Batman. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, to wrap things up, basically, I also love cooking as well. So I've been following you and your efforts to plunge the depths of gaming cooking, and it's been great. Thank you. Uh, and I don't know that I'll be streaming my cooking at any time. I really do not have the space for it. But um, I've been considering just kind of like either doing a companion with you and be like, hey, this is my version, the one you did. Hmm. How does it compare? Uh, as well as just, you know, kind of promoting people like getting into the kitchen and you know, learning some basic stuff because it goes so f it goes so far with being able to have like basic knife skills and stuff. So, variety streamer. That's that's my pitch, uh, everybody. Um, I've gone as far as doing uh, doodle streams. So yeah, actually, you're on my you're on my uh, Instagram here, and that one in the middle. If you want to click that, yeah. Um, that is a dump from Tw uh, from TikTok. So I'm also on TikTok if you'd like, but. Um, every week, uh, except for last week, I do a weekly stream of live drawing and the theme so far has been combining two Pokemon from one generation with another in that same generation. So this is from generation two, I believe. Yeah. Those yeah. were all So this is my old design and stuff, but yeah. Um, cool. uh, this, uh, this week I actually did something different. I, uh, this mouse actually that I'm holding right here. Um, it's a Logitech G305. Great mouse. The clicker went out. And I was like, how does, how does the, how does the left click go out? How does that even happen in a mouse? Right. And this is not a cheap, it's not an expensive one, but it's like a $40 mouse. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up and a lot of people are having the issue, open it up. And then I did a stream repairing it. It was a lot of fun. Oh, sweet. And, uh, now it's perfect. I actually replaced the clickers with, uh, these like silent ones. So you can't really even hear it, but like it's, it's great. Um, I'm looking for other things to do in streaming as well, but uh, I guess that kind of covers everything in, in terms of like what I've been doing in my free time in the recovering social pandemic kind of stuff. But mm. um, yeah, uh, also just playing games, right? Uh, Sekiro right. has been my latest and most frustrating endeavor. And um, it's been a mix of rewarding and just soul crushing at the same time hmm. I, I do want to say like the pokemon fusions uh that you hmm. mock up are kind of the 
way by which it was sort of introduced to you and what you do. And to this day, I'm still super impressed by just sort of how creative some of these fusions are. They're real high quality stuff. Definitely go and check out some of them on Snorkelies' Instagram account if you have the moment to do so. And there will definitely be a fair bit of Pokemon shenanigans later on in today's podcast beyond just these fusions, but I'll hold off on elaborating on that for just a little bit, because for now, uh, let's get into what we've been up to over the course of the past week. Um, like I said at the top of the show, I don't really have a whole lot to uh, contribute to with regards to what I've been up to uh, beyond what I talked about on last episode. Um However, seeing as how neither of you were on last episode, as the last episode was just me and AJ, I figure I might as well just quickly go over that. One, I managed to uh, beat and 100% uh, Metroid Samus Returns right in time for the release of uh, Metroid Dread, which is coming out oh so very soon. Uh, Two weeks. It was, um, you know, it was a little bit of a tiny slog at the end with Metroid Dread because the entire time I'm like, ah, as good as this game is, as polished of an experience as it is, I know that they're going to just do that much better of a job with Dread and is making this a little bit tough to finish, but I still got through it and I still had a great bit of fun. Uh, and I also finished up Halo 3 uh, for the very first time. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's kind of neck and neck uh, with Halo 2 for me in terms of my favorite Halo, where I thought that Halo 2 had the kind of more uh, impressive and creative level design. Uh, but at the same time, I thought that Halo 3's combat just had that level of polish and slickness to it that I felt like the other two Halos were a little bit lacking in. Plus, I think some of the set pieces, especially once you pass a certain turning point halfway through the game, are uh, really quite impressive. I still don't know that there's a Halo that I've played yet that I would say that I absolutely love and adore that I would consider even putting on like even like a top 50 list of my top 50 games of all time. But obviously there are quite a few Halos still yet for me to play. And if trends are any indication, I'll probably end up enjoying them even more than Halo 3. So that's kind of been what I've been up to. I don't know if either of you had anything to interject with regards to those two games in particular. Uh, I mean, I was working at a GameStop when Halo 3 came out and it kind of was the game that everybody was playing at the time and we had a launch party for it and it was great and then a couple of weeks after that we had a bunch of everybody kind of coming together and playing it at people's places so um i mean halo 3 is great i don't i mean i can only think positively of it in the past and that was like that was a not launch for 360 but it was like I want to say like year one. It was uh, it was 2007. Like that's the weird thing is that the Xbox 360 launched in 2005. But I oh, feel yeah, like okay. when people talk about like the years of the Xbox 360, it's almost like they're like, oh, 2005 doesn't really count. 2006 doesn't really count. If you launch in 2007, you're essentially a launch game. At least that's how I kind of see it. The run, the like the the Redux relaunch kind of yeah. thing where it was like oh now we're serious yeah exactly <laughs> yeah now i see that didn't have a big launch did it it just kind of came out and was like swooping up yeah it was you know microsoft was really eager to kind of get in on the ground floor early so that they could kind of get a good head start against playstation which playstation might have sold more playstation 3s in the end in that console generation but 
it, Microsoft definitely benefited from that early start. Um, and yeah, you're, you're definitely correct that there definitely were not a lot of like super quality experiences right at the front there, but it, it definitely got going by again, like the 2006, 2007 by the Redux launch as we've dubbed it. A lot of franchises lost, uh, launched on that one too. It was like a PS2 do over with a lot of new cool stuff. The, mm-hmm breadth and what you know still consistently popular series that are uh launched in that era yeah i'm curious uh on your end nathan where are you yeah. at with regards to your halo playthrough not very far um i've kind of started and given up on halo one and i start and gave up on reach very quickly hmm. um I don't know. I, I don't know if I need to play in co-op with somebody or just play through solo. Um, maybe get a little bit better. Um, I'm finding the control scheme um, doesn't play like I'm used to playing. Um, that being said, I am excited for Infinite. I've been trying the Infinite Flight this weekend and had a few matches and it feels very good and solid. I don't know. Maybe I'll just skip out on the Halo campaigns and just play the multiplayers although i should get into it at some point Hmm. do do you think that you're going to complete any prior halo before the release of halo 6 slash infinite god no probably so Hmm. if i get to it it'll be down the line um uh so for microsoft rewards points i have to get an achievement every day and i'm currently milking killer instincts achievements um Hmm. i'm at 150 of them now over 150 of them. I'll be done 200 of the achievements by the time I'm done milking all the easy ones out of it. And then apparently the Master Chief Collection is the next place to go to milk easy achievements. So I might that might become my quick daily, like do this, this to get achievements and work through certain portions. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll probably want to look up what some of those achievements are, because I will say, as somebody who, you know, loves uh, them trophies on PlayStation, did not get a lot of achievements while I was playing the Master Chief Collection, but hmm. I, I'm sure that there's probably some easy ones that, like, if you just go into one area and focus on killing one specific enemy in one specific way, you can probably milk a few here or there. I'm curious, yeah, on the Reddit I follow for the rewards points, it's, it's always the KI Collection or KI... Um, because it's got like 10 or 15 different achievements per character. And a lot of them are like play a, like a exhibition match online. Mm. Um, like get so many fight challenges, play a round of survival. Like there's like six or seven easy achievements per character you can get and kind of milk that out for long term. And the Master Chief collection seems to be the same way. So I don't know. I think there's like 4,000 achieve, 4, achievement score on it. So there's yeah. quite a few. Yeah, and they keep adding some over time as well because of the mm-hmm. nature of that game as a sort of pseudo games as a service or an actual games as a service. I'm not so invested in that collection that I can say off the bat. There are probably some hardcore Halo fans that are yelling at us right now, but let's move on so that they don't <laughs> have to yell at us for too long. Uh, Snorkelies, mm. there are a couple of trailers uh, that you've brought to our attention uh, that you mm-hmm. want to go through and discuss. Sure. So <clears throat> the one that we'll start with is Cowboy Bebop live action interpretation from our friends over at Netflix. Oh, I haven't seen uh, this. So, uh, yeah, good. Uh, quick question. Sorry. 
Is that the name of this opening credits? Or are you uh, saying you're you're saying the live action interpretation of Cowboy Bebop? It is Cowboy Bebop live action, but it's just called Cowboy Bebop. I think it's like a I think it's an actual series. I don't remember if it's a movie or if it's a series. It's a series. But it is, yeah. I think they're just interpreting the anime in live action. No, sorry, I was a little bit confused. Like if you were referring to the name of what of the series we're about to watch or the name of like the opening credits, because you know how sometimes opening credits to anime oh. or TV shows will have like weird, unusual names, especially in uh, anime. Yeah, go ahead and play it because um, I believe unless this, you might want to look up the launch. I might have linked the. Oh, I might have linked you. The, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just realized what I'm looking at. Okay, uh, try looking. Everything okay? Up. Yeah, I, just, I thought I was looking at the right screen, but I wasn't. Uh, Netflix Cowboy Bebop release or trailer. Here we go. This might be it. Uh, okay. A, I mean, I uh, watched I watched the link you sent me, which was the opening credits for the upcoming live action yep, Cowboy it. Bebop on Netflix. And it. so I'm looking at the right video. I just wanted to make sure. I just looked it up myself, and it looks to be the same. They have like okay. a thing. Okay, all right. Like, we got the right video, playing, everybody. Yeah, go for it. Because it, it's, I was trepidatious when I saw like the, um, what do you want to call it? Like the the stills that they did of the characters. I'm like, okay, they're in costume, and they're in not the best lighting, and they're just kind of standing around. And then mm. they showed this, which is like pretty rad honestly like they they have much more stylized lighting they have what appears to be some actual like interesting camera work going on it almost has like a steve uh is it edgar Wright? yeah edgar yeah. Wright. sure a little bit of that kind of feel but um like that shot's really good some characters that are popping on screen now look great these shots the low dutch angle that stuff's cool a little bit more of like the character stuff from them Qu quick question nathan is this your first time watching this trailer Yes, it's my first time watching the trailer. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that you have to see it with 15 <laughs> frames per second, but hopefully you appreciate the artistry even watching it this way. Yeah, no, it looks super cool. I'm, I'm actually not familiar with Cowboy Bebop. I know of it, but I don't know much about it. So, but this hmm. looks interesting. Yeah, it's super stylish. If it, if it holds up to like, even like the, the, the rough idea of what they're getting through here, which is just like really interesting camera work fun interpretations of like the stuff that i i'm picking out like from the anime i haven't seen this in like a decade and mm -hmm. i'm still like oh they're gonna do that oh they're gonna do that oh awesome and then like being able to anticipate these kinds of things and then i think they've been working on this for like five years it, it's like, been it's gone in limbo it, it's been quite some time and of course this yeah. is one of those shows that was definitely uh the covid19 pandem pandemic definitely did a number on it and definitely delayed it by quite a bit which is why it feels like it's been such a long time coming hmm. so i'm excited now before i was like uh it's probably just going to be something on the par of like i don't know if any of you saw um uh altered carbon which was an interesting idea but ultimately kind of just like an eh mm -hmm. kind of show um no real interesting camera work, some fun-ish ideas, but it ended up like not taking itself very seriously and it kind of fell flat um, for me. Uh, but with this, it looks like they're they're going in a direction. They've chosen a direction. There's directorial intent and not just here is a scene with actors in it. They chose angles, color, 
all this interesting stuff. They have a great story to work with already. Um, there's a whole episode of the series where they battle a monster that comes out of a refrigerator. Uh, it's like rotten lobster that turns into like a, an amorphous bob, blob monster. We'll see if that shows up. I doubt it, but maybe there'll be like a broken down fridge somewhere and it's like, you don't want to know what happened or something like that. As Nathan can attest to, I've watched uh, quite a few anime back in my day. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, though, is one of my blind spots. One of those animes I have not yet gotten to. I will definitely like get to it now that the live action interpretation of the series is coming out. And I got to be honest, I don't really know how I feel about this. I I keep calling it a trailer, but it's not a trailer. It's the opening credits to the show. And I I scrolled through the YouTube comments after watching it ahead of today's episode. And one comment kind of caught my eye, which is like, "Mm, this is kind of a, a good example of how like certain things that look great when animated don't really kind of carry over to when they're done in live action. But I also Mm -hmm. saw kind of a similar comment. Maybe it was like the same comment that was like, but at the same time, it is cool that they are committing as hard to this stuff as they are. I think that you oftentimes see in, you know, adaptations of anime and video games that the directors, writers in question are really kind of trepidatious to interpret uh, things from the anime and games in question in their full weird glory. And they're definitely not being afraid to do so here. But, but it, it, it just, I can't help but feel the kind of pressure of the uncanny valley pushing against me. Mm-hmm. But that's just where I stand. I was right there with you. Up until this trailer, I felt it like I saw those shots where those characters are walking into whatever that building with the mask on. It's like all orange and everything. Yeah. That kind of shot changed my mind. The shot of the swordfish, the red spaceship taking off in that marina. Trepidatiously, or sorry, uh, cautiously optimistic, I'll say. I'm, I'm interested to see if there's more stuff like that or if they just, here's the stuff that we got that made that look good because those are the only shots that we got to do before COVID or something like that, that kind of thing. Right. But if it's the opening credits, it's meant to be like a wide range. One thing I will say, though, in support of the uh, things that translate from uh, animated to live action poorly is actors who do not know how to like handle a sword mm. and are maybe just like less familiar or whatever with it, or maybe the prop is awkward or something, right? Um. There are times, plenty of times, when you see someone like try to whip a sword around and come in like they're they're standing there with like a cool sword and they're like, and now I'm being dramatic and it's like, eh, I'm not seeing it, buddy. Like that one guy, I know the character's name. Uh, I think his name is Vicious uh, with mm-hmm. the white hair and he has a sword. I just six out of ten <laughs> didn't really it. do it for you. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Nathan. How, like, I'm curious, do you think that this is going to be something that you are ultimately going to end up watching? Um, I can check it out. It's giving me Umbrella Academy vibes a little bit Mm. by the opening there. Um, So, like, I'm easy to check an episode or two out and see if it fits what I like out of it. Like, Netflix does dump everything all at once so it's very quick like if it's something i can watch on the treadmill especially in november because i will have to be on the treadmill at that point um probably it'll be too cold to be running outside so this could definitely be a treadmill watch 
All right. Fair. Uh, there we go. Uh, now, in addition to uh, the upcoming live action Cowboy Bebop uh, opening over on Netflix, you also wanted to draw our attention to a couple of trailers that recently were released, uh, Snorkelies, with the Nintendo Direct that aired this past Thursday, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into these, I do want to say I don't think that we're going to be doing a kind of full breakdown of everything that was at oh. the Direct because no, 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 no. at this point, like it's been a little bit of time and I know that that didn't stop us from covering everything that was in the PlayStation experience a, a week out from that. But uh, putting that aside, I think that uh, it's Personal not really on we'll the, say. on the cards. Uh, however, I am really excited to cover some of the trailers that you wanted to bring attention to. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to start with? Well, let's just start with Bayonetta because I think Metroid Dread is going to be a bit more of an interesting. Co- I just I just want to sure. say that uh, Bayonetta I've been a, a, a series fan of. Um, I played it originally, uh, the first one, had a great time. Never beat it. Um, I believe I beat the first uh, the first one a second time around on the Bayonetta one and two combo that was on the uh, the Wii U. Yeah, um, that was great. Uh, first one was a lot of fun. Uh, got a little trying at times. Um, much in like the Sekiro vibe, I know I should be paying more attention or I know I should be, you know, more <laughs> understanding of the game mechanics. But there are times when I'm just like, all right, this is just just to frustrate you, just to keep you like, really? And then it just punishes you for it. Um, with the second one, um, I'm kind of adverse to anime tropes. And by kind of, I mean a lot, which mm. is like um, just the general vibe is not usually my thing although i do have like i mentioned i do like cowboy bebop quite a bit but there's not a lot of anime that i tend to go for so the storytelling is usually not my kind of forte foregoing that um the second one didn't really grip me as much as i thought it would they had some cool power-ups and stuff like that um but this third one um i just i'm all excited again for like the the pipe i had for the first one no explanation why other than it just it's it's here and it's it's got something to say. <laughs> uh, the new the new Bayonetta design is great too. Um, this trailer's like starts out like, oh no, anime, you know, uh, military guys getting their ass handed to them and you know getting laid out. And this is obviously like, I think this is just like a pre visualization. I don't think this is anywhere near final because mm-hmm. like the the graphics on the ground, unless this is just switch limitations, because you can see like I'm I'm being too uh, critical um, of like the technical details, but Obviously, Bayonetta looks fantastic. I love her hairstyle. It's great. Uh, boss designs are great, but the uh, other like environment designs are very flat and kind of gray. And I'm hoping that uh, there is generally more like color and effects going on during the rest of the game. Because like this, this is fun because it's like brightly lit and colorful and like inside the train. But here, it's just pavement and gray walls, and then just her effects, which are great. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Have you, um, by any chance, read up on some of the fan theories that people have about the character that we're going to be playing as in this game and sort of what they think the overall plot might be based on that? No, because um, I, like you, I said, I never actually beat the second one. You, In that case, you might. I mean, it, obviously, it's fine if you don't want to be spoiled anything. But if you are interested, you might want to check some of them out because I was reading up on a couple of them and. 
pretty compelling evidence of some pretty interesting stuff that if you should sort of just watch this trailer and didn't think too deeply about it, you would not expect mm-hmm. to be real, but that nevertheless does appear to be real. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I won't okay. go yeah. super deep because I don't want to head into spoiler mode quite so soon. Yeah, I, I I won't for the sake of the show. I won't you know be going into it at all. But like I I t- I tend to just kind of like be like if a spoiler ruins something, that means that it generally the experience isn't all that great. So, um, if the experience is great, then I don't mind not having something be fresh in the gameplay. So, uh, I'll probably look into it and then just move on from there. But yeah, regardless. Bayonetta 3, I'm happy that it continues to be a Nintendo exclusive. That's really cool. It's, I never thought that would be a thing, but it's great. Um, Devil May Cry fan as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the fifth one was a little weird for me. It was a little too almost like tongue-in-cheek all the way through. But moving on from that, I am just wanted to say I'm excited for Bayonetta. More, please. Mm. You know, uh, I do want to say quickly, sorry, Nathan, uh, not a series, by the way, that I actually have all that much experience with. Kind of amazing that Nintendo managed to co-opt it and make it into a like almost pseudo Nintendo franchise uh, to the mm-hmm. point that you have Bayonetta, you know, frequently showing up in Smash and just being a regular mainstay fighter there. Uh, but hopefully there will be an opportunity for me to check these games out because I I tend to like brawlers of this ilk. I think I think they released the the one and two pack the first two yep. on Switch did they not that yeah. w- that was uh, how they announced Bayonetta three uh, they re- announced the one and two pack at the Game Awards the year that the Switch came out and then Bayonetta three was like the one more thing with that announcement. Sorry, Nathan. I'm vaguely yeah. reminding myself. I was going to say, yesterday. so I don't know much add about Bayonetta. I haven't played this series, um, but her, her face looks. I like her whole like design looks very much like Casey DeFridis from IGN. Hmm. 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 Okay. I, I mean, d- that just jumped yeah. out at me. I was like trying to place her face and I'm like, it looks so familiar. And then it, like, I figured it out. There's a picture of her holding something from monster hunter. And it literally looks just like Bayonetta from the trailer. She has like red rim glasses and like, the swooping bangs and a butt, like a ponytail up. It, she looks like Bayonetta in this image. I don't want to get into it, but like I said earlier, definitely some interesting fan theories going on right now about the appearance of uh, what appears to be Bayonetta and what it could mean for this game's plot that won't get into, but you should go and definitely check out on the interwebs. Casey DeFrida starring in Bayonetta 3. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> All right, yeah, then did you want to move on to Metroid? Sure, let's do it. I know you're not a fan, but... (laughs) Let's see. Metroid, Dread even. I have to say, I am a fan of Metroid in a satellite capacity. I love playing the games. I do not have a vast investment in them, but I am Mm. always excited for a new one. Big fan of just the a world that'll pull you in and it doesn't tell you more than it needs to and you just kind of keep learning as it goes. Uh, I mean, that was basically all that um, uh, the first one ever did. Uh, any iteration, I guess up until like, what was it? Uh, uh, not Zero Mission. Was it Zero Mission? With uh, the, the one developed, was it by Platinum? 
No. Are you referring um, to Metroid Other M in 2010? Co-developed by Ninja, not Ninja Theory, Ninja. Team Ninja. Team Ninja, yes. That one did not pull me in. Um, I think it was kind of critically panned as well. It, it, so was, I kind of avoided. it was mixed, to make a mixed, long yeah, story short. We'll say that one. Yeah, so I kind of avoided that one. But like, I always appreciated the like cold, distant storytelling kind of aesthetic through like a side-scrolling you know, futuristic, inspired by alien uh, side-scroller. Mm. And um, I, I'm one of those people that doesn't like to delve too deep into, like, specific details with something. I like I like the medium itself to tell me everything I need to know about it. Um, I mean, uh, if, if I really wanted to, I could go to, like, the Wikia for Metroid and be like, oh, well, actually, the Metroids were developed by Metroid. It's like, nope. Just tell me what I need to know on screen, and I'll take it from there. So everything I've kind of inferred from any Metroid game, I've always enjoyed, just like whether it was like she has a cool suit, and it fits around her, and it turns her into a ball for some reason. Uh, and doesn't kill her. Yeah, it doesn't kill her, right? Um, I actually watched like a minor, I think it was um, Jared the Completionist did a, a bit on Metroid. I think it was a bit more like a retrospective on what happened from like the first Metroid mm. and uh, why that actually was a thing. But I'll go into that some other time some other place um metroid dread though i was initially not keen on this at all how come um primarily the art designed in the first trailer was not um i was picking it apart quite a bit um i thought it looked a little flat um i mean it was it very much had the feel of like we had limited resources and this is just kind of a, hey, we're introducing to the idea. And then once it got to the gameplay, I was like, okay, well, this looks a bit more interesting. But the design of, I think it's Emmy, the robot. Yeah. I'm not, I'm still not a fan of the like color swap, like immaculate robot kind of design aspect of it. I just personally don't think that's com particularly compelling to me. Mm -hmm. um, if they're going to have more aspects to them, we'll see. We don't know enough yet. Um, we'll know obviously once the game comes out, but, um, I'm also seeing now in the more recent trailers, uh, more dynamic animations. Uh, I'll say like in the first one as well, just the way that Emmy animated, I was not impressed with, um, the way that <coughs> Samus is like shot hit her head and like effects like that were just not impressive at all. It felt very placeholdery to me, but now what I'm seeing in this more recent trailer is a lot more interesting, just visual storytelling. I love the idea kind of like in dead space when you would travel around on the Ishimura mm. um, you land in a spot and you walk out of like the tram and you're like I believe it's how it worked right you walk out of the tram and then you go first person mm. but with this one um, it's it's similar to that where you have like a third person camera and then your Samus walks towards you out of like whatever wait hold on a second and they showed all these you don't you never go first person in dead space it's entirely third person Sorry, third person. I'm uh, over the shoulder yeah. character camera. Yeah, but um, yeah. So the like the the worlds that they're building look very interesting. Now we had some kind of bare bones like metal factory laboratory kind of feel. With this, there's a lot more organic stuff. There was a little bit of that in the previous one, but this one looks a lot more fleshed out, more unique animations. I like the the um, uh, what do I want to call it? Like the the parry system where you yeah. like smack them and then you. Oh, that looks so good. That looks really satisfying. Mm. Little something little like that to add a little bit of combat difference into it. And you know, it's not just 
a new, um, you know, you, know, it's not, you just have the freeze beam or the wave beam or something that, like that. By the way, that was introduced in Metroid Samus Returns, the, the game that Mercury Steam worked on prior to this one. But it seems like they've kind of worked on upgrading the way that it functions a little bit, like allowing you to parry while you're mid-movement, for example. I did not play that one. You, that's the one you just played, you yeah. mentioned, right? Yeah. So I somehow passed over that one entirely and I almost forgot, which is... Unfo- this is the other thing I wanted to talk about with Metroid, is that there does seem to be some sort of like blind spot in Nintendo's like push of a certain series um specifically Metroid um Mm -hmm. it kind of just pops up every now and again and she gets her spot in Smash Brothers and a couple other things um personally I feel like they they could be doing more like Legend of Zelda and Mario are there like you can't not hear about them Mm mm-hmm but I wish Metroid was a bit more in the forefront. We, When Metroid Dread comes out, I'm saying it right here and right now, we're definitely going to want to do a spoiler cast on that game uh, for Press YZ. And if you play that game and uh, beat it, uh, you're definitely more than welcome to come on to talk about it, Snorkelies. So I don't want to like have a super deep dive into the Metroid series' history right here and right now because I feel like we mm-hmm. can save a lot of that for that. Yeah, uh, sure. feature podcast. Uh, what I will say right here is, uh, you know, you're definitely right that the Metroid series has always existed in this weird place where it's often looked at as existing within the same strata as Mario and Zelda as being like one of the three pieces of that holy kind of Triforce that Nintendo has with regards to its, you know, top video game series. Because all three debuted on the NES and were hugely popular on the NES. All three had like tremendous evolutions on the SNES with, you know, Super Mario World, uh, A Link to the Past, and Super Metroid. And then all three had amazing transitions to 3D with, you know, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, and then uh, Metroid Prime a little bit later after those two. But unlike Zelda and Mario, which historically have sold very well, like most of the Metroid games, even like the Metroid games that are like the most critically beloved and have some of the biggest cultural footprints in history, like Super Metroid, historically not that big sellers, big of a seller. Um, of course, you know, been very influential on the design of so many other games that have, you know, come around them. But yeah, it, it, the series has always sort of struggled for relevancy in that manner. But Nintendo really does seem to be like putting in a lot of work to make people aware of this game. I've seen like so much promotion for Metroid Dread across all of Nintendo's social accounts and also in, in real life, people posting images of like Metroid Dread advertisements yeah. where they live. And I think the that fan community is coming out for it. Yeah. I've talked about this past uh, in the past on the podcast and I still think to be totally true. Like there's a very real possibility that, Metroid Dread could not just become the best selling Metroid game of all time, but potentially like even better selling than all the prior games combined. If it really hits in the way that it seems like it might. Yeah. Yeah. Especially around this time. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's, I, as someone who is not super, um, up to date on every single release and when it's going to be coming out, like the release windows for every game in this coming next month, which is very important for like the end of the year and like pre Thanksgiving kind of buy up era of like, mm-hmm. you know, release dates from everything. Cause uh, the next best is like apparently April or something like that. I think that's like the next big window to push. But um, Metroid, I would say is definitely one of the biggest ones that's coming these couple months. 
that I'm looking to make time for. Um, I, I have like a couple games that I still want to play on stream, but it looks like I might just have to pick up gaming on my own free time again. Because hmm. holy crap, dude, there's so much cool stuff that I want to get to. And Metroid's going to be like very much now, especially it's going to be very much pushed to the front of the line. Yeah. And, and uh, as it should be, because, you know, I, like I said, just completed and 100%ed Metroid Samus Returns. And because I played that game over the course of several months, it ended up kind of dragging out and feeling longer than it actually was. But like all things considered, that was not a particularly long game. And I suspect Metroid Dread will also not be a particularly long game. So if there is any game to put at the beginning of your pack, it's definitely this one because it won't suck up all your time, most likely. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to they'll play up the idea of you can like either save state or ver several like quick save sp spots as well. Right. To allow for like the turn on, turn off your system. Well, because your system will be able to sleep as well as you know, stay plugged in on a wall or next to your TV or whatever. Hmm. Uh, obviously, I could continue to talk about Metroid for hmm. quite some time to come. But if I were to do that, this podcast would be a few too many hours long and we don't want that. Uh, <laughs> so before I go ahead and give Nathan the floor to talk about something that he's mean to talk about for quite a bit now, I do want to ask, are there any other trailers, anything else that you want to highlight from the Nintendo Direct? Obviously, the internet is still brimming with many an emotion about the casting from the Mario movie. And I don't really have a whole lot to say about that other than I was pretty surprised when they unveiled that stuff. I don't know if anybody else here has any takes on that in particular that they wanted to get off their hands or any takes about just the direct in general that they wanted to put out there. Um, like I haven't talked much about the direct. My kids loved it. I watched it with my boys. We were a little late watching it because uh, they were out, and I told yeah. them I wouldn't watch it without them. They were very excited about the Kirby 3D game, which I will say mm -hmm. that's the most mm -hmm. interesting Kirby I've seen year in years. Mm -hmm. Um, I still don't know if I'm like I will probably get it for my boys, but it's I still don't know if that's for me. That being said, uh. The one thing Nintendo, I didn't love the Direct and it just didn't have a lot for me. And the two things that I was more curious about, Nintendo just teased with more Direct uh, in terms of the Smash to, reveal yeah, and, and, Animal the, Crossing. and Animal Crossing. Um, I think we all know that I've put way too much time into Animal Crossing. I haven't touched it in like six months, but I've, <laughs> I have like 700 hours invested in on my island. Um, something stupid from last year, like nobody should have played that much animal crossing there's just nothing left to do and nintendo hasn't done anything meaningful with it so to kind of be like here oh we're going to do an animal crossing direct they better have some su substantial plans for it yeah to be doing a lot of my friends too are kind of in the the mean is like yeah i played it for like six months straight and then i haven't played it in like a year I touched six months. I touched back on it. I, I gave it up for like three or four months. I have every DIY that's non-seasonal in this game. I like went on like Cozy heard me talk about it for months. And then he even heard me talk about Nookazon, which is like the trading website. You can like list things or buy things from people. I, I do like the the like very capitalist like milieu that they're giving to tom nook and that he is a like him and his family are very much like the guys who are running things on the island mm -hmm. with no question in mind as to who's really uh 
you know, top of the market, literally the only guy running a marketplace. Maybe the Abel sisters, but um, Tom Nook is on top of the food chain in that regard. So I'm hoping we'll see more about Animal Crossing. I just want to know what their plans are for it. Because, and here's the jerk part about the whole thing is that I heard the Animal Crossing music and I paused it and I told my wife to come downstairs because they were going to do something about Animal Crossing. And she got all excited mm-hmm. to be told, we'll be back at some point in October to talk about yep. It's oh. literally like 10 seconds. So, but yeah, Kirby too, as well. Um, not to, to pull away from that too far, but I am excited to see what, um, what that ends up being. Cause it looks like, uh, Kirby, Kirby Odyssey, like Mario mm-hmm. Odyssey. So I don't we'll see, don't expect it'll be as good as Mario Odyssey. Oh, um, for sure. Like, and once again, I will probably get that. This could be, well, no, they said 2022. So it won't be a Christmas game for my kids this year. But we will get it for my kids at some point, uh, and I will see what their reactions are to it. Yeah, hmm. my, my, my last thing on that is um, I wish, as a child, we had something like Nintendo Direct. Because that, I cannot, I cannot, well, in retrospect, thinking about having that as like a, a resource. We had something of like E3 when I was like 16, but like as like a nine ten year old holy crap i I, I would be losing my mind i will say um as it was not possible when i was a kid because i'm very old nintendo power did fill that void i guess yeah i had that too yep Mm. okay nathan yo the floor is yours so the thing yeah the thing so um (laughs) i tweeted on thursday that i had to cancel my um streaming because i got a review code that is embargoed and i have a tight embargo date i have to have my review done well by the time you're listening to this my review will be out and you can go check it out um but is for hot wheels unleashed a game which trailers have excited me about because i enjoy racing games and these cars in the trailer looked like real hot wheels toys when you look at them like you can see the plastic in them yeah, you can see a really nice um, bump mapping. That's the like detail and the texture mm-hmm. that you can see that creates a nice lighting effect on them. I'm guessing that was not fulfilled. No, it was. Oh, okay. okay. So here's the deal. Hot Wheels Unleashed is fantastic. It does everything I thought it would do. It does crazy courses in these. It's So... There's a few different ways you can play, but it's got like this main mission mode that you essentially play on. Oh my God. And essentially you've got six different areas and tracks are just built all over these areas. And at some points you'll land on the floor and they'll have little um, traffic cones that you got to follow. And then you keep like, they've got anti-gravity tracks that will actually have you hanging on the ceiling. Like they just kind of Mm -hmm. go go all over the place. There's twists like Y's that will take you out and bring you back together. So you have to choose which direction you're going. Um, So it's really uh, like all over the place in terms of, uh, what this design for the levels are and how it's laid out. It's really like, it blew me away with how like different these courses are. And then you build into the fact that you've got these fantastic looking cars that you can customize in any way you want. You can change the type of metal. 
that it is. You can have it plastic. You can have it enamel. You can change like the sparkle on it. Um, the first thing I do when any racing game and I can customize cars is I make a Green Lantern car. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've got a Green Lantern car that is uploaded and ready to go. Um, oh, this is cool too. Yeah, so you can update your basement here. Um, and what's really cool is the basement is one of the levels that you race around. So the basement will, that basement level will actually change when you, to update, to reflect what you currently have. It's a really cool As idea. your setup. Um, so, it's, oh yeah. Yeah, just super, super fun. Uh, it comes out 30th. I think if you buy the 100, like the, whatever the top collector's version is, uh, you get three days early access with it. Um, I'm trying to think, um, it's got some really cool stuff too. So as you're basically like the main mission area is kind of, they've got different goals that are mapped around and you kind of have to beat a race to like, to move on to the next one, which sounds like other, like any other racing game that you play, but it's actually one of those like play mats that hot wheels has used. Like they use a lot of hot wheels assets in this. So it's like, oh sure, yeah, it's a map like that you'd roll the cars around. And they've got these all over the place. But then there's secrets that you can't get access to until you do certain things. So there's like boss levels that you actually have to play. Um, and each of the boss levels is, I think, I'm what I would guess is one of the major um, like things that Hot Wheels does. Like there's a scorpion that spits poison on the track. And if you run through the poison, um, if you run through the poison, you can't use your boost. Um, if you like, there's nice one, which freezes your wheels up, which means you can't really turn super well. There's tornadoes, uh, for pterodactyl that will pick you up. These are all over the, um, there's tornadoes all over the map. So they kind of all like have these boss levels and that will unlock some of the secret ones, but then there's other ones that like have a level name and like a car name. And so that means you have to play that car on that level, but then so there's these secrets that open up and you have to figure it out. And a lot of them you can't get until you get further into the game and get certain cars unlocked. Um, I guess my only frustration with the game, it's not even a frustration because I've kind of enjoyed it, is that for getting cars, it's like they say blind box, but it's loot boxes. Oh, right. There's there's no There's no money that I can see that you can put into the game like to buy physical currency with it. Um, so, but you use in-game currency or you find these blind boxes as you're doing things in the game that you can unlock your cars. Um, and then if you get multiples of the same car, you can then sell it back. Well, I guess that's good too. Yeah. Um, I was worried there for a moment when you said it was blind box. I'm like, oh no, is it going to be like legitimate? Like you go to like Hot Wheels website and you put in Hot Wheels bucks or whatever, and then you ultimately are unlocking these obnoxious loot boxes. But as long as it's all internal, like I I think it was Yoshi's Crafted World, where it's all self-contained, you get in-game money to spend on these loot things, and then it's all super just like, oh, and now Yoshi runs around with a box around his waist or something like that, and that's it. Like, that's fine. Like, But with with the Hot Wheels, I have to say, there's a couple things I want to say, but I have Mm -hmm. to say, with Hot Wheels, that is just ingrained into, like, the whole idea here which is just it's a fun racing game with customizable cars and that's basically enough right yeah but that camera work i don't know if you were really super paying attention to that but it it felt 
it felt like um, watching the Lego movie. Yeah. Basically. So, and here's the thing. When you're racing, it won't look like that. Like it's like the character, like the cars when you're, because it's Mm -hmm. like, obviously you don't get that type of camera angles when you're racing. It's just like camera behind the car and you go forward. The racing's shallow, but fun. Um, Essentially you're like, you're picking up speed. You have boosts. You can earn boosts by um, just as you drive. And as you drift, you earn more boost. And depending upon your vehicle, because there's different rarities in your vehicle, you get common uh, rare legendary and then there's secret vehicles um and then a special uh market something vehicle there are these really rare rare ones that you can pull out um so and they all have different stats and different boosts like i was using one uh uh one car forever and it had great stats but it only had one boost and then i opened up this box and it gave me a car with even better stats with five boosts. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. Just it's it's a really interesting hook. Um, I've been kind of just trying to burn through the story stuff so I can get as many blind boxes as I can. I'm very curious to test out the multiplayer uh, when more people are playing on Monday. So, especially because I have some really good cars, and uh, I guess this is the best part. I have the DeLorean from Back to the Future. My only issue is is okay. that it is not as good as some of my other cars. Uh, does it have like you can get variants of it where like level two, level three, or something like that? You can no? upgrade the cars, so you, but ultimately it's capped or something. Yeah, so like if you get a common car, you can upgrade it to rare and it'll get a stat boost. Then you can upgrade mm-hmm. it to legendary, and that's kind of where it maxes out at legendary. And like for the DeLorean, for instance, it's maxed at legendary. So when you get it, like it's a legendary car, it's not a common car. So, um, yeah. So, um, also with the legend, with the DeLorean, and I assume this will be with the other things like the Batmobile and kit and the party wagon from TMNT and you can't change those cars. Mm -hmm. There's no painting. There's no, um, and I only have the DeLorean, but I assume it'll be the same for those other ones because I've not unlocked those. Like in Rocket League, where you can just kind of change the tone, but not even that for those. Like the, no. I saw the Turtle Wagon; that was really cool. Yeah, I, I did not expect to see that. That was really cool. I would like to see that in like a blue or orange, like a pink or something. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's there. It's it's a it's what it would have looked like if it was in real life. So well, and this is when we talked earlier. This game is open for DLC packs if they partner with other companies. Oh, like absolutely. Put make a DC car pack that just featured DC superhero cars. Um, and like yeah do marvel do anything that's got pop culture and hot wheels has been making cars since 68 i believe because i see the number 68 throughout like a lot of the game so Mm -hmm. they have years and years of history that they can go back and really like find cool stuff to do last thing i'll kind of like my hypothetical that i would love to see in this Mm -hmm. is like go like potentially swerve into that like graphic that not the graphic but the uh the the well the graphics the the look of the game looking like you are playing in like that kind of like wide angle zoomed in kind of feel but if they choose to in the in the future like customization while they just have like they add like a sticker layer to your car where you can just literally add stickers from any any place like whether it's flames or a number well you can do that some 
Oh, you can? Yeah. Okay. So when you do the customization, you change your colors and everything, they've got a ton of stickers. Like, that's how I made my Green Lantern car. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I meant, like, on, like, the turtle wagon or whatever. You oh. Put, like, a, a flame sticker on the side or something. I like understand that. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, they have stickers you can put on, essentially, like when you're doing your custom like cars and everything, they just don't, mm-hmm. um, at least with the DeLorean and I can't speak for the other ones cause I haven't unlocked them, but with the DeLorean, you can't change it at all. So licensing, yeah, licensing, licensing. They don't it. want their stuff touched. Somebody could theoretically write sucks or something on it potentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, beautiful looks great on PS five runs super well. Uh, mm-hmm. this will be a recommendation. I'm looking forward to writing up my review tomorrow night for it. Cool. Cool, cool, I might have cool. to look into this. Uh, anything else that we want to touch up on, uh, talk about before? Oh. Yep. Go ahead. Might as well bring this up real quick. As quickly as an answer as you can come with, don't think about it too hard. If you were a car, what car would you be? A Subaru. Okay. Not a very glamorous answer, but it's the truth. <laughs> I will be Practical. a Mazda Miata. As we discussed okay. before, I want to say like I'm like I drive a Mazda three and I've got a family in a sedan, but I also would like it to be sexy. And I'm a very sexy person in general, so I feel like that's probably a good fit for me. It's emanating from the camera, yes, honestly, a hundred percent. Reliant Robin, uh, a goofy little thing that's ultimately clumsy. Reliance Robin. Let's look this well, thing. Reliant, up. but yeah. Uh, it's Reliant. the car that tips over when you oh. turn. Yeah, <laughs> it's three. It's the worst. Oh, this it is car. the yeah. worst. Uh, the other, that the other thing. answer. Oh my god, that Tesla Reliant on the bottom left there. That is great. That's a great little Photoshop there. Um, but my my actual answer, if I wanted to have some sort of ego about it, would be the Ferrari Modulo M O D U L O. This is a super cool concept car that Ferrari made in like the seventies. Uh, 1970 Geneva Motor Show is where it debuted, but um, um sorry, what's the name of this car? Oh, I'll drop oh. it here. You got to okay. in the not a problem for that chat there. Perfecto. Yeah. It is one of the coolest concept cars I've ever seen. Uh, to my personal aesthetic, I really like how that one looks. Um, it's got like a Tron feel. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's like the flattest looking car you could possibly make. Like the headlights are literally like. If you if you're speaking like triangle, it's it's like the the hypotenuse is like super long, so that angle is super super uh, slight, and then the wheels actually don't even fit in the frame they designed for it. So this looks like something that somebody in the '70s thought we would be driving now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If you yeah. did '70s sci-fi, what what the year 2020 would be drive or 2021 we'd be driving? That's yeah. what they'd come up with. And as a fan of Blade Runner 2049, I would hope to be driving this car in the 2049s. It looks, problem with this car, it looks extremely futuristic, except for the frosted glass that you can see uh, on the front of the car for Mm -hmm. the high beams. That's the one part that identifies it as being a 70s car, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. That that easily updated in modern settings with like very small LEDs on the front or something like that. But man. Ultimately, like it's when you every now and again, you're like, this car was made 50 years ago. This is like beyond like simplistic design and like kind of stuff like that. But that's that's the car I think I am. <laughs> cool, Super cool. 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 All you. right. 
Uh, well, with that out of the way, let's jump right into our topic of the show for today. Um, <clears> longtime <throat> fans of Press will know that back in the day, we had a segment that we would do quite often. Some would say maybe perhaps too often uh, called Rankin <laughs> or uh, back in the very early days of Press YZ 5x5 for reasons that escape me. It's been like over a year and a half. I don't even remember why we called it, it was, originally. We were supposed to bring five choices by five people. Yeah, and we we kind of quickly realized like, oh, that's like a very specific scenario that oftentimes is not met when we do the podcast. So might as well call it something a little bit more general. Uh, so yeah, basically this is our favorite, everyone's favorite game show uh, where we each bring a bunch of suggestions to the table and attempt to uh, determine who is the best of whatever particular uh, thing we are competing at with regards to our suggestions. And that thing we are going to be competing at today uh, is a little topic that I came up with uh, just ahead of today's podcast that I think has the potential to be quite fun. Uh, it is, uh, if we can determine what the best non-Pokemon video game characters are that would make the best Pokemon. Now, I was partially inspired to come up with this topic of the show by Snorkelies, a uh, friend of the show, guest of the show, guest on today's episode in particular. Uh, like I said, I was particularly impressed uh, by your many Pokemon fusions, and I figured it would be cool if I were to incorporate a topic of the show on today's episode that somehow touched on your love and appreciation for the Pokemans. Uh, I was also, however, inspired, uh, tying into our earlier discussions on Metroid, uh, by this particular Twitter user. User, uh, Guillermo uh, RM underscore art. I'm sorry that I totally butchered your name, but you can find them at G U I L H E R M E R M underscore art. Uh, they're a uh, artist from Brazil uh, who as of recent has been working on a mod of Pokemon red that basically replaces a lot of the characters and Pokemon in the game with characters from the Metroid universe. And obviously I love Metroid. I love Pokemon. And so I was super keen when I saw this stuff uh, showing up on my feed, but in anticipation of today's episode, it kind of occurred to me, you know, why stop at just uh, Metroid monsters in the Pokemon universe? Why not open up the door to all potential video game franchises out there? So the way that this is going to be working, Snorkelies, seeing as how this is your first time doing 5x5 five five with us, is uh, basically uh, we're going to have three different rounds. Round one, uh, you and Nathan are going to bring forward three different pitches for non-Pokemon video game characters you think would be Pokemon. It's going to alternate uh, one person to the other until we have all six of those responses. Round two, uh, I'm going to ask you to pick from a random number, uh, and based on that number that you will pick, I will assign you a video game character of my choosing that you will have to pitch as a Pokemon. Uh, and then round three, uh, we will round things out with a surprise that I do not want to uh, indulge you guys in just yet, so look forward to that. All right, clear as mud. We ready to go? Yep, sounds good to me. All right. I am struggling to come up with my topics <laughs> but we will press forward regardless i'll be able to, i'll i can i can supply i'm not worried nathan would you be willing to go first to give our lovely guest a little bit more time to think yeah 100 percent. all right then uh nathan go ahead what is the first uh of three video game characters that you think would make excellent pokemon mario 
All right, starting off with a very traditional choice. Now, why would Mario make a great Pokemon? Because Mario, Mario, got, I get that confused a lot, sorry. Yeah, uh, you've got a good evolution. It starts off as baby Mario, mm-hmm. and then evolves into Mario, and then further evolves into Super Mario. Okay. By the way, just to be clear, by Super Mario, we're referring to Mario when he's like enlarged by a mushroom, correct? Yes, yes. So baby Mario, then you got the little Mario, and then you got the super mushroom into the big Mario. And then you can have just like, wait, it's the Eevees that use different stones. You can use different stones to give him different powers. See, Nathan, you know more about Pokemon than you let on. I wasn't going to try and help you too much with this, but I was going to bring up the aspect of... Fire Mario, Ice Mario, Flying well, Mario. I, I mean, I feel like Nathan kind of got the gist of it. He didn't specifically state Fire or Ice Mario, but I, but right. he, he was on the right track in stating, yeah, that Mario could kind of be like the evolutions. Imagine what a flight stone would be. What do you think that would be? It would be in, the, in like the Pokemon world. Tanuki. That's a good point. Like a Tanuki. You, yeah. you touch a Pokemon with a Tanuki statue. Or I'm just trying to visualize the little because like in in Gen One specifically there'd be the Thunderstone, the Ice Stone, the Fire Stone, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Moon, st- moon, you know. Well, Nathan. Anyway, uh, your choice of Mario as a video game character that would make a great Pokemon is going to go at number one uh, okay. because right now there are no other options, uh, suggestions to compete with it. Nevertheless, do you have anything more that you want to add to your Mario argument to really help prop it up for the many competitors that will come to compete with it i just think mario gives you like when i think pokemon i think evolutions and i Mm -hmm. think of the characters we're going to talk about he has a built-in internal line and then he's got a built-in line with like elemental evolutions you can add to him through stones sure so all right i think he makes a lot of sense all right good job good job good showing snorkelies are you ready to go with your first? I do pick? have one for you. Yes. All right. Go for it. And it, uh, Isaac from Binding of Isaac. Okay. So my pitch here is much like Farfetch'd. Um, one of those little, maybe comes in from us, you know, out of left field where it's like, oh yeah, there's that one that doesn't evolve into anything or whatever, but has some interesting aspects to it and this is that's kind of like a tenuous you do know that farfetch'd got an evolution recently it did yes that's exactly what i'm implying is that like at some point it did become further fleshed out of a a but i'm guessing more along the lines of well even magmar and electabuzz are also uh further fleshed out but nope not coming to me i was gonna say something like a legendary or something like that where it's just a single thing by itself surfetched yes with the sword yep Brilliant design. Again, I love designs like this, and these are the things I thrive for when I'm doing my Pokemon fusions. You can catch me Wednesdays at 11.45pm uh, CST. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's see here. Um, so Isaac, I think, has his own interesting, very simple, um, I guess you could say almost like a element to him, which is that like his main offensive ability is his tears. Mm-hmm. And that's a very gen one kind of thing right it's a it's a creature or thing that has like a very specific aspect to it kind of got a bit more of a thing in like the later generations where they can kind of evolve and switch into different like you know fire water whatever 
Um, with Isaac, I think it'd be a more interesting thing, much like Eevee, where it starts out as Eevee, but with whatever things you pick up, whether it's <laughs> a bloody syringe, uh, your mom's high heels, or whatever it is, it's a bit more of a meta thing for Pokemon, but uh, he becomes more interesting a Pokemon as you find more things to give him. Uh so, you know, his EVs might not be fantastic when he starts out, maybe a bit of a magic carp situation. But then as it goes on, as you present him with new abilities, he becomes a very fleshed out and fully uh realized character. Okay, okay. Here's the thing, like by leading with Isaac you definitely were going uh, at a bit of a disadvantage with regards to my taste because, unfortunately, I've mm. never played any iteration of The Blinding of Isaac uh, as of mm. this year point in time. Uh, now, you did pepper your explanation of why you think Isaac would make a great Pokemon with a lot of references to the games and to the meta, and I really do appreciate that. So, going forward... You definitely have a sound argument for this particular video game character that will bode well as more and more suggestions get brought up. However, I think that for the time being, I'm going to have to put Isaac at number two. Mm -hmm. And for the record, that doesn't mean uh, that necessarily it's going to drop tremendously after here. It just means that for now, uh, Nathan's argument of why Mario would be make the better Pokemon was more compelling, but like I said, mm -hmm. much can change over the course of the game to come. All right. At the moment, uh, Nathan is in first place with five points, and Snorkelees is in second place uh, with four points. Nathan, are you ready for your next pick? Hells yeah. All right. That means yes. Go for it. Okay. So... I obviously this is hard when you're thinking about different characters and what you want to put in. And I want to touch on the Final Fantasy series, but we're not going to talk about a character from Final Fantasy uh, specific. In fact, we're going to go to its summons. And what I would like okay. to submit is Balmont. Am I saying that right? Balmont? Uh, I'm Bahamut? not. Bahamut? So Bahamut. There we go. Bahamut. I was about to ask how do you how do you spell this guy's name, but now that you said it like that, now I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, Bahamut. He's a giant ass dragon. I think it might thing. be Bahamut for Bahamut? the record. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That might be more accurate. Bahamut. He's a giant ass dragon. Um that is usually one of the best summons in Final Fantasy whenever you whenever you summon him. Um specifically, if you look at the Final Fantasy 7 um summon list for bahamut there's regular bahamut with mega flare neil bahamut with giga flare and bahamut zero with terra flare and i think you get your standard three evolution with the different types of bahamuts um out of it plus it would look cool and it would be as like a kick-ass pokemon if you ever had it on your team Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bahamut, actually a, a more easy, uh, like post-game boss fight in Final Fantasy VII Remake than mm -hmm. I was expecting him to be. Still, like, undeniably a very cool-looking design. You know, I think to all of the 
dragon Pokemon uh, that currently exists. And I don't really feel like you have a dragon Pokemon that quite looks like how Bahamut uh, resembles with its sort of like bipedal-esque stature. Um, yeah, it, it's a good suggestion. I don't know that it's as strong uh, of a lead as Mario was uh, for your first choice, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that Isaac just had a little bit more to it. So for the time being, I'm going to put Bahamut at number three. Um, but again, I would ask that you not be concerned. We'll see, you know, as things continue to settle out uh, exactly where Bahamut will stand. So Bahamut's at number three for now. Uh, right. But we'll see whether or not that's a good number three or a bad number three. All right. You're ahead. You're ahead. Well, because you haven't gone yet. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Things can change pretty uh, quickly. Yeah, we'll see here. Um, number three for me, or number two for me, sorry? Yeah, uh, your second three. choice. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go with Banjo-Kazooie. Okay. Now, are, are we talking about both Pokemon together? I believe they count as one, much like a slow king or slow bro might sure. count technically as two, but it is one Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say Banjo-Kazooie, I think, is in another interesting like sidebar Pokemon where it may not have the, the most compelling like evolutionary tree or uh, maybe like practical kind of use in everyday like you know it's not in my top six you know yeah. so i'm not gonna make it a good day elite four with this guy but it's a fun leveling pokemon that um has like some weird kind of like oh well i need a pokemon that can use cut but i don't have it yet well i also need one that can shoot an egg out of its mouth from a backpack that kind of stuff like we maybe you can go like if there was a feature in a pokemon game where you have to shoot across like a gorge or like a river to hit a button or something like that in order to activate it. Because you do that every now and again. You have cut, you have strength, you have swim. Mm. Egg shoot. Maybe that's a thing. Um, the ability to fly as well, so you can fly with it. Um, I think, you know, there's plenty of also existing Pokemon attacks that can exist with it. Um, Banjo having strength himself, and then uh, other, like, seismic toss and things like that, backflip, you know, whatever. Kazooie being able to do like double peck, fury strikes, that kind of stuff. I think that's, I think it fits pretty well. Uh, I personally am in agreement. I personally, you know, when I was thinking about what kind of characters the two of you were going to bring to the table, it did not occur to me that you would attempt to bring a tag team character to the table. And the more and more I let it, you know, marinate over in my head, the more and more I realized like, yeah, I feel like this would fit right at home in the world of Pokemon. Well, there are not, you know, a ton of Pokemon that are, you know, multiple species, you know, wrapped up in one. There are quite a few when you really get down to it. Obviously, one Pokemon that immediately came to mind was Kangaskhan, the kangaroo Pokemon Mm -hmm. that has its, you know, baby in its pouch. Uh, There's a little bit different, but a Pokemon like Wishiwashi, for example, which Wishiwashi is like Mm -hmm. a tiny little fish, Nathan, and it can basically Mm -hmm. summon a bunch of other fishes of its uh, type to kind of come, and together they can, like, form into one uber fish. Basically, that's an 
uh, amalgamation of them all together. Uh, like a schooling fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course, there's, you know, Slow King and Slowbro, which have Shelter attached to their tails and heads, respectively. Yeah, I think this is a, a really good uh, kind of out of uh, left field choice that I wouldn't have anticipated. I, Nathan, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm afraid uh, that our current rankings have a new number one. Oh no! Uh, and that number oh, one baby. is going to be uh, Snorkelies' combination of Banjo and Kazooie, or just Panjo Kazooie, because I think that if they were actually in the Pokemon universe, it would probably be called just that. All right, uh, Banjooie. The rankings now stand that Snorkelies has a very slight lead of eight points over Nathan's six. Nathan, are you ready to reclaim the top of the throne? I hope so. Um, let's see what I if I can pull this off. Okay. All right. The Big Daddies from Bioshock. Mm. Okay. Um, when I think Pokemon, um, I think of like different style characters and that's not necessarily humanoid style looking things. Um, mm. And I think Big Daddy is a really interesting case because of the different weapons it possesses because it's got a gun on it, which can shoot projectiles and Pokemon shoot projectiles, but then it's got a giant drill too. And as you talk about the TMs and stuff that you put on there, it could do like drilling and get through certain areas with it. Also, um, it could summon little sisters. Uh, to come help it um, and do different things as well. Um, and as we know, Big Daddy was actually the uh, Big Daddy was the star of Bioshock 2. And while I've not played Bioshock 2, I know that it could cast magic and stuff. So you can get different abilities through it that way as well. Hmm. Hmm. It's, uh, Bioshock 2 a little underrated. Yeah, it's good. I, it's yeah, good. I, I'm in agreement there. For whatever weird reason, you, you talking about uh, the Big Daddy being able to uh, summon his little sisters to his aid reminded me a lot of the Pokemon Cramorant, which was introduced in Generation 8. Uh, Cramorant basically is like this uh, blue bird-looking Pokemon. Uh, and the whole deal with Cramorant is that it has this uh, uh, move in battle that basically allows it to... Oh, I remember this scoop up Pokemon, including Pikachu. And if it scoops up a Pikachu, it can basically uh, projectile said Pokemon at the opponent and it will cause the opponent to become paralyzed. Uh, overall, not exactly like a super powerful Pokemon, but it has like its like fun little gimmicky stuff uh, as evidenced by this particular thing. Um, yeah, I like this one. Uh, it's... Um, see, in my head, I'm trying to think, like, do I... Like the fact that the big daddy doesn't have the little sister always by his side, or do I wish that it was another tag team, that it was another like uh, instance like Banjo and Kazooie, uh, as previously recommended by Snorkelies? And uh, for for the record, the way I thought about this was is sure. that the big daddy is always trying to protect the little sister. It doesn't bring her into combat, but when he's struggling okay. in combat, she'll come out and try and help. Oh, okay, okay. I appreciate that extra little bit of lore helping flesh things out. Um, you know what? I am, because I still have a little bit of a soft spot for Mario, Nathan, he's going to go under Mario, but he's going to be directly okay. under Mario. So Sweet. at the number three spot. All right. 
Snorkelies. Hmm. Are you ready? I have an idea. Oh, okay. And that is just like Nick Fury. Uh <laughs> Yeah, sure, exactly, you know. Um this one um I was a bit interested when this one came out initially in the game. I'm about to mention it, and that is Hammond from Overwatch. He is the hamster in a ball, which is ultimately a tank. Um, a little outside the kind of like, well, maybe not necessarily anymore, but um, Hammond is a super intelligent hamster. Um, I believe a little bit oversized in some respect. I don't remember exact scale, but uh, it's basically a hamster in a giant ball, uh, and that ball can become like a spider tank, and he can also swing with a chain at high speeds. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I I like these kinds of ideas for Pokemon where it's... it's it, There's a first impression you have, and then you basically get like what's actually going on, which is like... Uh, much like you said with washi, uh, wishy washy, which is like it's it's one fish, but if you saw the the evolution of itself, or the is it the mega evolution version of itself, it, where it's, it becomes the school. It, it's not like an evolution; it's like a an ability that mid battle mm-hmm. causes it to change form. Right. Okay. So with kind of that aspect in mind, which is that like there there are aspects of which um, it is able to transform and adapt. Uh, I believe Hammond is a good uh, kind of like idea for that as well in that he can you know typically it's just like a walking around tank with a little mo- like a little animal in it but ultimately it does become like a, a wrecking machine in that um it can change its abilities to suit the uh situation that um i'm, I'm watching this trailer and I'm, I'm remembering how much fun it is to play him i haven't played overwatch in a while mm-hmm. but um yeah it's a. Uh, I don't want to just try and stick too hard to the idea that it has to be like an animal with an aspect to it, mm-hmm. but being a Gen One and Gen Two, and that's basically what it was. Although, if you look too close at like what unknown was, it was literally like a language in Pokemon form, mm. which is interesting. But um, yeah, I think I think Hammond is a fun choice because he's so versatile as just a you know he could be a front. He could be literally your tank Pokemon that starts out and kind of takes the first few hits for you, or he can be the one who pops out, packs back, pops back in with like a he- couple of heavy hits, mm. self destruct kind of stuff like that. You know, I think it's a compelling, compelling choice for a alternate universe Pokemon. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, I-, I like this suggestion quite a bit. I gotta say, not a single bad. Uh, suggestion that was uh, brought forward to the table today. All of these, uh, you know, even some of the lower ranking ones I thought were interesting and unique and unexpected in their own way. I'm thinking... I I could see Bahamut as a a legendary, yeah. Yeah, Bahamut is a legendary, absolutely. Um, I don't know... I'm. I definitely have an idea of exactly where I want to put this one in the list, but I'm not certain whether it should be on top of or underneath another one that I'm currently eyeing. Hmm. Mm. How can I sway you? Uh, I mean, I don't want to give you too much time to sway me because eventually, if you oh, no. talk indefinitely, you're gonna sway me into doing anything. Uh, but if you have any other last minute things you want to add, you're free to do so now. Cute animal. 
You know what? You know what? I actually do respect that. I think that we've had like, I mean, it's not like we've exclusively had like big, dark and dank and dirty Mm -hmm. monsters or monstrous people brought up thus far. But yeah, uh, Hammond from Overwatch is kind of the cutest one that's been brought up so far. So I I did bring up a crying literal child as a Pokemon. So well, we'll contrast that. I don't know if I would call Isaac cute in the same way, though, you know. I definitely am not. Right. I'm okay, definitely. got it. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to put Hammond from Overwatch at number three below Mario, but above Nathan's uh, Big Daddy. All right. All then. Well, that brings us to the end of round one. Uh, our two competitors are neck and neck. Uh, at the moment, Snorkelies is in a narrow lead with 10 points, and Nathan is trailing just behind with 8 points. Uh, it has been a pretty wild and entertaining game thus far, and I am definitely ready to take things up a notch. Are the two of you ready for round two? Sure. Yes. All right. <sighs> Snorkelies. As a person currently in the lead, I want you to pick a number between 1 and 10. 3. 3. Oh boy, my man, you certainly picked an interesting number. Because you picked number 3, Snorkelies, you have to pitch to me why the big cookie from Cookie Clicker would make for a great Pokemon. I'm going to, the way that this is going to work, I'm going to give you time to uh, sort it through in your head. Nathan. Yes. I would like you to pick a number between one and nine. Six. Six. Okay. All right. Nathan, you have to tell me why Kapora Gibora, the all-knowing owl from the Legend of Zelda series would make for a great Pokemon. Oh, that seems easy. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, the is it the owl from Link's Awakening? Yeah, Link's Awakening, Ocarina of Time, uh, also Majora's Mask briefly. Okay. I don't remember okay. in Ocarina. I remember in Link's Awakening, but anyway. He, he appears like intermittently throughout Ocarina of Time. There was a theory for a long time that he was like the incarnation of Raru, the Sage of Light. And it was actually proven, in fact, correct uh, via the Zelda Hyrule Historica. I'm actually, I'm going way too deep into the weeds here. Uh, but yeah, uh, the owl from the Legend of Zelda series is what we need to know. Starkleys, I've not given you a lot okay. of time. But I hope that I've given sure. you enough time that you have a cogent argument in favor of sometimes, the cookie. Yeah, sometimes, it, like, in, I'll be walking around and just this kind of thing will pop in my head. What if the giant poke, the giant cookie, or the potentially giant cookie from, if I'm remembering this, I don't, I don't remember getting that far in Cookie Clicker. It only, it, it wore off on me fairly quickly, uh, but like, the cookie never eventually increases. become a giant. Just to be clear, the, the cookie that I'm referring to in Cookie Clicker is literally the cookie that you are clicking on. Okay, because I'm remembering another one where that like you're the, generating cookies and then you generate more factories and that generates. There, there are a lot of things that you can unlock in Cookie Clicker. Many that will take you like quite a bit of time to find. I'm just referring to the main cookie that you click on when you load into a new game of Cookie Clicker. Sorry if that was a little bit unclear. Okay, yeah, because I mean it's been a long time, so hmm. my narrative will have to twist a little bit here, which is 
Imagine a cookie that is never ending. Yes. And in theory, this is a Pokemon that snaps off bits of itself to okay. then either use as a weapon or a defense. Like if you were to, if I were to write the, the, the entry in the Pokedex for this, right? Cookie Infinite or whatever. What, uh, clicky Cookie or whatever you want to call it. Clicky Cookie. Actually, that's probably going right there. Clicky Cookie. Yeah, um, we're, we're definitely on a definitely on a good track. I'll say yeah. that much. Uh, a Pokemon that was discovered outside the dumpster of a bakery, blah, 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 uses its own body as a uh, chameleon or not a chameleon, uh, like a gecko style escape from harm situation where it breaks pieces of itself off to then roll away. Um, also, potential evolutions, cookie sandwiches, uh, like super big, like, uh, I don't know if you have these in here, but there's a, I think it's Betty Crocker. They make like little giant cookies that you can get that are like pizza sized. Um, we get them in malls a lot. Um, I think Auntie Anne's is also another one that's like, or, uh, yeah, I think Betty Crocker's. Anyway, potential here for evolutions is crazy because you got frosting, you got toppings, you got things you could dip it in. You've got uh different flavors of different you know br uh dough and stuff like that you can use uh yep and now i'm just saying i feel like at this point you're kind of just describing cookies in general but sure go ahead the pokemon i'm kind of going for here is one that um can be evolved but ultimately has a partnership and maybe almost like a duo situation not as one pokemon but as like a antithesis to snorlax so one pokemon that relies heavily on calories and then also naps might find itself in an environment with a lot of clicky cookies so there's a lot of potential there for drawing like a little bit maybe in the anime there's a lot of like silly like slapstick in like situations where clicky cookie is frequently like being adored and then in the distance boom Snorlax comes and tries to eat everybody's clicky cookies. Okay. All right. That was uh, overall uh, a very interesting pitch. Uh, I'll say this, and I, you know, I, I hate to kind of lead with the negative first, but I did feel like that idea was a little bit all over the place. And now to be fair, I didn't give you yep. a lot of time to really kind of conceptualize what the cookie clicker cookie would look like in Pokemon. And I gave you incomplete information on exactly what it is that you were arguing for. So I do want to apologize for that and point that out. That being Sometimes said, less is more. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I think that if you had maybe just sort of sticked with the first thing about how he like breaks off pieces of himself to escape, bakeries i thought that would have been great on its own i think a lot of what followed about there being like different iterations of him with different cookie dough we got we kind of got a little bit lost in the weeds so to speak or lost in the cookie dough um but overall not a bad pitch at all not a bad pitch at all however uh i can't put him any higher than number four so the cookie clicker cookie is going to go uh above nathan's okay. big daddy but uh, underneath Hammond from Overwatch. For now. Okay. Nathan. Yes. Are you ready to argue for the Pokemon-ness of Kipora Gabora? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so actually, I have to clear something up. Uh, that owl is not related to the Owl in Link's Awakening. 
as I was reading up. Well, it's it's complicated because you're correct. They're not the same person, but it's clear that like the owl in Ocarina of Time was like inspired by that owl. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's some sort of um, thing to it. So, okay. Anyway, so I was thinking about this as a Pokemon and I thought to myself, what would the owl do? And really the owl has no combat training whatsoever. Uh, when you're looking at what like it does in games. Uh, right. And this is what I realized. This is a support Pokemon. This is a Pokemon you could call in that would coach other Pokemon on how to do things better and buff them and increase their abilities. Hmm. Um, so he, he would have different abilities that would be pep talks or wisdom of sorts that would then uh, like grant special buffs to the Pokemon to make them better. Hmm. Hmm. Anything else you want to add? Um, yeah. Like, so it's non-combat specifically. It's just buffs only um, like buffs only. It's a support Pokemon. Um, yeah. That's just kind of where I'm, where I'm going with this one. Hmm. That's a really interesting pitch. So, Fun fact, Nathan, in Generation 7, uh, they introduced a Pokemon called Oranguru, which uh, you're currently looking at on screen right okay. now. Oranguru, a normal psychic type uh, monkey Pokemon. Uh, and his deal is that he has a signature move called Instruct. And it's a very similar concept to what you pitched with Kipora Gebora, where when he uses Instruct, he will... Uh, kind of basically coerce a Pokemon into performing a move that it already performed that turn. So you'll send out your Charizard. You'll have your Charizard use Heat Wave, which is a powerful fire-type move that will hit all opponents on the opposite side of the screen. You'll have your Oranguru use Instruct, and basically that will allow Charizard to attack twice, force it to use Heat Wave again, inflicting twice as much damage now on the opponents. It's... Oh, wow. um. Like, by itself, like, not a incredibly powerful Pokemon. You know, it's certainly not built for combat in the same way that, as you described, Kibora, Kibora is not built for combat. But used in the correct fashion, it can be very kind of darned effective. So I really have to kind of hand it to you for kind of thinking mm -hmm. in the same way that the kind of Pokemon developers themselves think, uh, as evidenced by the existence of something like Oranguru. See, here's the problem. Whenever I look at this list uh, that we have in front of us, I always hesitate to even conceive of the idea of putting something ahead of Mario, with the exception of Banjo-Kazooie. But this is a really, like, pretty top-tier idea, Nathan. So I think I'm going to have to uh, break the Mario Barrio. Mario Barrier, my, my mistake, and... Go ahead and put this one at number two. Sweet. All right. And now I have to see if I can remember from memory, uh, if I can uh, remember how this guy's name is. Spelled. I've got the spelling here if you want it. Did I get it correct? Nope. Uh, close. It's a K to start off with. Oh, that's right. But you're dead on with beyond that. All right. And that brings us to the end of round two. We are currently in dead heat with both 
Snorkelies, and Nathan uh, possessing 10 points. I'll go uh, down and read down the current list as it stands. Uh, at number eight, uh, we have Bahamut, which was suggested by Nathan. At number seven, we have Isaac, which was recommended by Snorkelies. Big Daddy uh, by Nathan is at number six. Uh, the Cookie Clicker Cookie by Snorkelies at number five. At number four, we have Hammond by Snorkelies from the Overwatch series. At number three, we have Mario, recommended by Nathan. Number two, we have Kipora Gibora by Nathan, uh, the owl from throughout the Legend of Zelda series. And finally, at number one, we have Banjo and Kazooie, as uh, suggested by Snorkelies. Are the two of you ready for round three? Sure. This is a surprise round, correct? Yes. Now, the way that typically round three has worked in the past, Snorkelies, is basically... All bits are off the table. I'll give every participant in the game an opportunity to take another participant's suggestion and basically formulate their own argument on how they would kind of do their pick their own way. And if I'm sufficiently swayed by their argument, I'd be like, all right, you're allowed to kind of claim this particular character or suggestion as your own and in doing so, their points as well. We're going to be doing something a little bit different tonight. Uh, as you know, Snorkelies, I originally, you know, uh, was drawn to you because of your Pokemon fusions. And I figured, why not bring a little bit of fusion into tonight's topic of the show? Uh, for the final round, the two of you are going to uh, be able to choose any two uh, Pokemon, quote unquote Pokemon, that have been recommended thus far tonight. You are to fuse them together into one character of your own creation and you're going to pitch why this fuse uh, Pokemon, not Pokemon character, is the bee's knees. All right. All right. Okay. Nathan, you um, sounded a little bit less than certain. Snorkelies is no, like, all right, I got this under control. I'm just looking at the list right now, figuring it out. All right. Let's. You want to give it like a like a couple seconds here, just kind of like mull it over a Go little bit? Go for it. Go right for okay. it. Take as much time I, I as you need. I have a an idea and i think it's pretty good but i also want to look at the rest of these and just be like not too set on what i've come up with we want to close out tonight's episode with a bang so take as much time as you need so that we can well not as much time as you need we don't want to be here for hours Mm -hmm. and hours uh but much time as you need to kind of get the most cogent argument that you want to arrive at for the limited amount of time that we have i am ready when you are Nathan. Okay, sure. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Uh, Because Snorkelies started off round two, Nathan, you're going to start off round three. You good? Okay. Yep. I think so. All right. (laughs) So we're going to merge Banjo and Kazooie with Kaipora Gaibora. And in replace of Kazooie, we're putting Kaipora Gaibora. Oh, Um, okay. That's not... I want to say, for the record, and don't don't worry, I'm not docking any points from you, Nathan. Not what I originally had in mind. I was thinking, oh, like you're literally taking these two creatures together and like fusing them into one super beast. I did not think, oh, take this one animal out and swap <laughs> it with another guy. But I, I'm I'm intrigued. Go ahead, Nathan. I want to see so where this leads. Once this once they're fused, um, this is actually going to be a special version of Banjo Kapora. Uh, that's going to basically get two turns every single time. So Banjo will get his 
standard attacks. And then Kapora will be able then to use its ability at the same time to instruct Banjo and be able to do more damage and attacks. As well as he'll be able to do buffs. But the bigger thing is, is as I've talked about buffs, he's going to be able to debuff enemies, which he was not able to do in his previous uh, form. Because um, Kazooie was annoying and he's going to get some of those annoying aspects moved into Kapora as well. Um, and so the annoying aspects will debuff enemies because Banjo will know to use those against the bad guys. I mean, I'll say this right off front. Banjo Kapora, great name. Great name uh, for this particular fusion. And again, not exactly what I was expecting. I'm going to rank this one high. This one definitely is deserving of quite a few points. I'm just trying to figure out where it should go. Because, you know, we're dealing with Banjo-Kazooie, Kapora-Gabora, and now Banjo-Kapora. I'm trying to figure out what would be an appropriate placement for the fusion of the two. You know what, Nathan? You swayed me enough with the quality of this particular uh, fusion, uh, fusing of bears and uh, beasts and birds that... I think I'm going to put him at number four. Uh, sorry, not at number four. At number two, in between oh, uh, uh, one Banjo Kazooie will now be three Kapora Gibora uh, for a total of four points. That's why I said four. Gotcha. So let me just add this one in. All right. Things are still pretty neck and neck. Uh, Snorkelies has uh-huh. 10 points. Nathan has 11 points. So Nathan is in the lead, but you never know. Things could change quite dramatically uh, with Snorkelies' uh, final last shot. Speaking of which, Snorkelies, are you ready? I am. All right. And that Pokemon fusion will be Big Hammond. Big so it Hammond. Is- Big Daddy and Hammond put together. Okay. But it's not just like a Hammond robot exterior with drill bits and stuff like that. No. That would be too simple. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to go way, way back. And I don't know if they know this later on in the series. But Gen 1 Pokemon, there was a man by the name of Bill. And you might have had to help him out with something in the process of potentially reversing a process where he was able to take the form of a Pokemon, yes? Right. Yeah, it's been a while. What if what if it was a fly situation wherein a man was then fused with a Magnemite or a Magneton or other giant metal Pokemon Mm -hmm. and in this process created a humanoid-esque, intelligent, quite frankly, horrifying creature. Um, and that is... Uh, oh, uh, we'll, we'll pivot that with uh, the idea. I looked this up for like a hamster Pokemon. One being a Togedemaru or a um, Pat Rat. Imagine that being fused with a Big Daddy. So there's like a giant rodent-esque monster Pokemon in this world of pokemon that is it's like completely monstrous and everything but it's it's 
a fly situation with Pokemon. Hmm. Okay. So after the kind of, if I'm understanding this correctly, after the full kind of fly metamorphosis has uh, been underwent, basically you have a big daddy that is like bursting at the seams with hamster-like fur and hamster-like teeth. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 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 I mean, again, I'll say this right up front. Big Hammond, another A++ name. A++++, mm-hmm. S++. You know, right up there with Banjo Kipora. So that's already... Hammond Daddy? Hammond, Hammond Daddy is also pretty bad, good. I big... think Big Hammond is the, the superior mm-hmm. choice, though. It's almost like... I, I like the idea of it almost being like something in like a horror game instead of it being like... It's kind of like a, like Sweet Tooth in... um uh. What is those racing games on PS1? Uh, heavy uh, uh, Twisted Metal. Twisted oh, Metal, yeah. So like, Sweet Tooth. It's like, oh, he's a nice... No, he's not a nice dude. Not a nice dude. So it kind of gives you that kind of fun twist, too. Hmm. Hmm. Again, we got to rank this guy pretty high. He's definitely going to go above Mario. So... Sorry, Nathan. I know I quite love Mario too, but Mario is going to ultimately end up at least at the number five slot for uh, this list. Uh, Point total doesn't change. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, now, is he going to go above Kipora Gibora? That's the interesting question because you know Kipora Gibora, Banjo Kipora, both pretty similar in terms of their functionality. Banjo Kipora, you know, even more superior to Kipora Gibora. Hmm. You know what? I think I've figured out where it's going to go. Uh, sorry, my brain briefly short-circuited for whatever reason. It was like God was trying to prevent <laughs> me from making this decision. No, Alex, you don't realize what's going to happen if you Intervention. put it there. Uh, yeah, uh, Big Hammond is going to go at number three, uh, below Banjo-Kipora okay. and above uh, the original kipora Gabora. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to shift things down. I have not done the math in my head. I'm uncertain looking from looking at Nathan's inscrutable facial expression if he has done uh, the math in his head and is concerned sure I've lost. what this is going to yield for him. Let's find out. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, Snorkelies with that final pick just ever so slightly managed to nudge ahead as things stand here in the end. Snorkelies is winning, has won with a total of 12 points, and Nathan is just in the rear in second place with 10 points. Uh, The final rankings are... Uh, at number 10, I don't know why, for whatever reason, my number 10 spot <laughs> yeah. uh, listed 9. That's my mistake. Uh, number 10 spot, uh, Nathan with Bahamut. Number 9, Isaac by Snorkelies. Number 8, Big Daddy by Nathan. Number 7, The Cookie Clicker Cookie by Snorkelies. Number 6, Hammond by Snorkelies. Number 5, Mario by Nathan. Again, feels bad that Mario had to get, had to get knocked all the way down to 5th place, but there was pretty stiff competition in today's uh, installment of Rankum. Uh, number four, Kapora Gabora by Nathan. Number three, Big Hammond by Snorkelies. 
Uh, number two, uh, Banjo Kipora by Nathan, the fusion of Banjo Kazooie and Kipora Kipora. And finally, number one, uh, Banjo Kazooie, uh, the original uh, by Snorkelies. Uh, thank you to the two of you. This was truly a game to be remembered. And as I said, halfway through the game, lots of really kind of original and unusual picks that I would not have uh, even thought of myself uh, when I was originally conceptualizing this game. I was, you know, a, a little bit concerned that we were going to get some sort of like pretty easy and straightforward answers like, oh, Roach, the horse that uh, the Witcher rides oh, around yeah. on in the, in the Witcher 3. He would make a great horse Pokemon. But we really, you guys were not afraid to uh, delve into some pretty interesting picks. And I do appreciate that. So thank you very much. I've and well played, Nathan. No, yeah, it was fantastic. I love doing this. I still have two uh, left in the tank from for the post show. So. Ooh, we can definitely go over them then. Uh, until then, we want to thank you all for tuning in to Press YZ. Uh, if you enjoyed this broadcast, be sure to follow us on Twitch, subscribe to us on YouTube, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter at PressYZ and slide into our Discord at invite.gg PressYZ to keep the conversation going. Uh, before we close out the show, Snorkelies, uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, if you can spell Snorkelies, which is S-N-O-R-K-U-L-E-S-E, I almost forgot, uh, you can find that on Discord, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Find me anywhere you like, whichever one you, you prefer. Uh, I probably am most active on Twitter more recently and Discord as well. I have my own Discord on there. Uh, but yeah, I catch me Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, typically on uh, Twitch at roughly midnight Central Standard Time. And uh, we'll have some fun. Sweet. All right. Sounds like one hell of a party. Uh, thank you. Uh, as I was about to say thank you as usual, but technically this is the only episode of the show you've been on. So maybe in the future, if you're on a million episodes, I'll say thank you as usual, Snorkelies. But for now, I'll just say thank you very much for coming on. You were a real sport and a real great time. And I think this episode was made all the better by your presence. And thank you for having me. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, until next time, thank you for playing.